Hi everyone, I'm Heather and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called How Do We Rise Up? So in the past few episodes, I've been talking about upper limits, doing our best. Uh, How do we do this? I mean, it all sounds great, right? But how do we get there? So that's what today's all about. So stick around. I don't think you'll be let down. Thanks for joining. So yeah, it sounded great when I started talking about pushing ourselves to higher upper limits and really going above and beyond once we're fully aligned with doing things we love to do. But it sounds great in theory. How the heck do we get there? How do we get that alignment? How do we get to be living a life that day in and day out we're happy with so that if we are fighting some major health battle and we don't win and tomorrow is our last day, have we done all the stuff? Have we lived a fulfilled life? How do we actually get to the point where on our own deathbed someday, we are content and without regret, right? I mean, it can all sound so gory in theory. It's just putting these practices into actual, you know, functioning every day doing. I mean, it's hard. I'm not gonna like make light of this for you guys. It's a hard task. And I think even the the few that have found their way to this path of enlightenment, <laughs> I can't even say that phrase without saying it in some funny like <laughs> woo-woo voice, right? I mean, it just sounds like, oh my gosh, we have risen to some higher level, right? No, but if we truly were living some life where most of our day is spent doing things we love, we got to be fortunate enough to have a job we love, working with people we love, living with the people we love, playing with the people we love, and just having so much greatness. Like, how do you get there? I mean, what? it's just this thing that just seems like, what, the few monks that spend day in and day out, um, you know, in these like meditative states. I mean, who, who really gets to that risen point where they actually could add the hundred and, uh, you know, 10% to 150% I was talking about in the last episode, like how many people actually get there? So here it is. This is what I think. (laughs) Are you ready for this? This is what I have decided gets you there. I think that we need to act as if we're in a simulation designed to test us. Why do I say this? I mean, I sound like I'm living in a video game. My kids are playing right now. But the truth is, if you think about it, there's so little we know about this life. But if this was one big simulation, let's say God put us through this simulation to say, what kind of person are you? (laughs) How would you live? If you knew right now all of this is this fictitious like hologram around us and we are the only real thing within this world and we're just being tested. How are we treating other people? How are we on ourselves? Are we hard on ourselves? Are we lazy? Are we doing the things that we know are morally right? Are we being just, you know, what we know we need to be? Are we doing what we need to do? 
sometimes I think if you knew you were underneath some kind of um, microscope, you know, being watched by all of these people, let's say the earth is this tiny little simulation that you've been dropped into and everybody else is standing in outer space looking down and watching you, then how do you behave? Then what do you do? Then what kind of friend are you? Then what kind of employee are you? Are you self-employed and you're a great boss who treats their um, employees with dignity and respect? Do you suddenly hold the door open for the elderly? Do you speak a little more kindly to your kids instead of getting frustrated with them? Why is that? That when we feel like we have a microscope on us or are being watched, all of a sudden things change. I ask this for a few reasons, but uh, I was at the grocery store recently watching this mom just, I mean, her behavior was just awful with her children, but the second that she saw somebody round the corner, it was like a switch went off and all of a sudden it was different. I've also been witness before to this mom who at the playground was so invested in her kids and treated them so amazing and was so thoughtful and, you know, like on this level that I was like, wow, I could aspire to be like that, except I knew her and I knew that what I was seeing there and what I've seen between her and her husband um, when, you know, all the eyes weren't on her, I knew that that wasn't her every day. And I think we're all guilty of this. I'm not saying, oh, these couple of people that I observed, they did this terrible thing. Oh, no, I'm saying I think we all are guilty of this. Like, how many times have we been ready to rip our kids' heads off? I'm not being literal, but, you know, you're at your wit's end. And then you pull up to this big family function. You hop out of the car and you all put a smile on like everything was just fine. I think we've all been there before where we're having a moment where we are literally about to lose our minds and then all of the sudden have no choice but like everybody's approaching you and saying hi and being so bubbly and you feel like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I got to start putting it on. <laughs> you know, when in, you know, rewind five seconds before that, it was pretty terrible of a scene. And I just think that if we could find the way to somehow channel that type of I don't want to say that I want you to start acting because I don't but I mean if we could channel the way that we do act in those moments and say why like why aren't we being that way all the time why aren't we talking more gently and sweetly using kid gloves and you know just kinder words with the people we love you know, sometimes I definitely think that we treat the ones closest to us a little more roughly than we do the average stranger. You know, if you just got introduced to somebody for the first time, it's like you have your best foot forward. You know, a smile, a handshake, uh, you know, very intriguing questions about them and their life. And the people closest to us, the train's passing. I'm just going to warn you. There's some <laughs> beautiful background sounds at the moment. Uh, but yeah, so I think that unfortunately, those best moments happen when we just met somebody and the people within our own home, the people we claim to love the very, very most, end up getting the short end of the stick. You know, the exhausted, at the end of the day, us. The us that talks more about ourselves and asks less about them. 
the part of us that worries more about our own creature comforts and less about, you know, the people around us being comfortable and happy. I strive for that, though. I will say that is one of the things I work really hard at. Like, and I think a lot of us as parents do this, where we make sure that our kids have everything they need at the dinner table. You know, they, you just sat down and then they ask for another glass of milk when, you know, you haven't even sat down for two seconds yet, but you'll pop right back up and get it. You know what I mean? Like in that way. But uh, doing it all of the time and doing it just because it feels good and just because it's the right thing to do. Because if you realize and really, really think about why if you knew the spotlight micro, you know, uh, microphone, I almost said, well, the microphone too, I guess, but the microscope was on you and everybody was watching your every move, you'd act differently. I mean, sure, some of that is because, I think it's mostly because we know, because that's what's right. And when we have time to step outside of ourselves and look at it through the microscope, so to speak, we can see that that's how it should be. You know, the last thing I would have wanted was to have my husband pass away and have me have treated him like the scum on the bottom of my shoe, you know, like... I worked all the time on that, like just trying to make sure he knew he was the center of my world and treating him above the way I treated myself. And But I do think whenever we're exhausted, whenever we're stressed, the people we love most, oh, they're right there. They're an easy target. And uh, we do still, I don't know, we, we do a better job of holding it together for the business face, right? Like holding it together being kind with our words and all these things when it's somebody that you feel like a responsibility to have to do it with and then like they always say with children right if you've raised a kid right then when they're outside of your home they'll be respectful and polite even if inside the home they're a little disrespectful and lazy and whatever well I don't know I've tried to cultivate kind of both in my household because I'm constantly telling my kids like if nothing else, you know, who, what people do you love the most? And it's always family. They always say it's their family, but yet, you know, do you act that way? Are you acting like mom's your favorite person? Are you acting like, you know, you'd miss me the most out of everybody in this world if something happened to me because you just were really, really nice to your teacher. And then you got in the car and you were really, really mean to mom, you know? And sometimes when they just hear that, it makes them stop and think even if you think like, oh, it's falling in deaf ears, I don't think it is. I think it does translate, especially if you deliver it that way. <laughs> Not like, you know, the shouting that usually occurs when we're frustrated with it and like, do you teach your, do you treat your teacher like this? <laughs> and that's probably how it comes out, right? But what we're meaning to say is like, you know, if you really love mommy even more than you love your teacher, maybe you should treat mommy like you just like, you love her even more than you love your teacher because right now you're showing your teacher love and gratitude and kindness and you're showing mommy anger and frustration and I think it's just happening because you're very tired from your day but I'm really tired from my day too and I'm still like wanting a hug and telling you I love you and you know we have to learn how to be kind still to each other and honestly, like when I talk to my kids like that, I'm received so much better. And the other thing is, it's like, if you are, 
using all that energy to hold it together all day, the spillover is almost inevitable. So make it so that you don't have to hold it together all day. Because truly, home is where you should be able to shed all of that and be yourself and be exhausted if you're exhausted and whatever. But why would you be exhausted at the end of your day or frustrated or needing to let out some, you know, anger or whatever? What during your day happened to make that spill over? And if you can fix that, you know, again, going back to what I talked about in the last episode, but if you can find your way to the magic of enjoyment during your day being higher than the things that you dislike during your day, I think at the end of the day, when you get to return home to all of your love people, they're going to get a much better version of you. They're going to get the, I'm so happy to see you version, you know? There's no better feeling in the world. I used to tell my husband this all the time, that he was so lucky he didn't even realize it, because I was staying home with our kids, and he went off to work. They're both work, (laughs) we all know this, but when he got to walk through that door at the end of the day, even a long day, you know, you walk through and those kids would light up like, oh my goodness, the Pope just walked in, you know, I mean, Mickey Mouse, as far as they were concerned, it was like, "Ah, dad's home, (laughs) you know, so happy racing to the door, big hugs. It was like, everybody should be greeted with that kind of just absolute love and adoring like excitement. And we can be that, right? We can be that for our person. Why not? And wouldn't you love it if your person that, you know, your partner in life met you at the door like that and was like, ah, so happy to see you. And just, I mean, this is where I go back to. I was a bit of a spoiled person. And it's partly to, you know, explain why I'm dealing with my grief so well. This might sound kind of crazy, but you know, when you are treated with so much love from somebody, I feel like I got a lifetime of it. Like I was one of the people in this world who was blessed with a person who adored them so much that it can carry me for the rest of my life. And I still feel like, man, I got something some people might never have. My husband would see me walk through a door and he would, he'd run to me, scoop me up, spin me around, big kisses. He would shout, it's the weekend and get so excited. Like he was just a ball of fun and light and love and always telling us how much he adored all of us. And like that's the good stuff. And those are the people that we miss, right? When they're gone. Be a person that others would miss, right? Be somebody who in your absence, the world will feel the loss of you. That's what I would strongly encourage you to, you know, make a life goal is to just be the kind of person others would miss. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of people like that that I've been lucky enough to have in my life. And yet still, (laughs) there's a lot of inner work that I'm always doing to try to rise up and, and fill those shoes, you know, and be that type of person to others. I mean, just think too when you're always when you're trying to figure out how to improve upon yourself think about the people who have just made the biggest impact in your own life of just being such an incredible person and what did they do how did they do it you know i mean i'm always a big one for saying to 
you know, whenever you want to succeed at something, look at those that have, have succeeded before you and just follow their path. You know, someone else has already blazed that trail. All you got to do is look to them for inspiration. And I mean, I'm, I'm inspired for a lifetime from my late husband, a lifetime. And I don't even think it was anything he tried to do. This was just something that was in him, you know, but some of us have to try harder. Some of us have other things that have ingrained in us. And why is that? Well, you know, I mean, we've been on this earth for a while now, right? All the way from childhood influences over us and things that have happened to us or whatever. It leads you to these prejudices and things that you get frustrated with or annoyed with or like, you know, it's all of these past things that tend to plague our present. <laughs> and I mean, it's just another coin in the, the hat for me as far as like another reason to stay totally present, right? I mean, it's hard because it's our subconscious that we're talking about that often reverts back to those childhood imprints. But um, whatever you can do to just shake that, stay right here and now, and just fully embrace the blessings in your life so you can be filled with the gratitude. And, you know, really it's about not being the, you know, drained out portion of yourself for the people that are the most important in your life. What a disservice that is, right? You're working your butt off so you have more time to spend with these people, more money to share and uh, enjoy with these people. And yet then they're getting the like exasperated version of you that doesn't have it in them and speaks, you know, not the best way to them and gets annoyed or frustrated with them. And, ugh, you know, I mean, somebody just reminded me recently of that. Um, I can't even remember what she was referring to, but she was trying to tell me, basically, I've already achieved what I'm trying to achieve. And it's kind of funny when you, when someone says it quite like that, you really do have to look at yourself a little. I'm like, what do you mean? I've already achieved it. What are you, what are you saying? No, it's true. Like list all the things that you wish you could have in your life right now. I mean, short of my husband who I can't get back, I kind of already have what I'm trying to achieve. I'm just kind of almost at a point right now in my own life where I'm just kind of trying to maintain that. So like, why are you making it so hard? <laughs> that was her, her real question to me is like, why are you making this so hard and, and giving yourself this, um, you know, struggle with it when really you're already there. You need to stop with feeling like you're working towards something. You know what I mean? Like if you can just appreciate the fact that maybe you've already gotten there, let's say you have the job that makes the money or gives you the weekends off or whatever, like you've already done that very thing that you've been working so hard for, isn't it time to just appreciate that a little bit? And how do you appreciate it except for to appreciate the people around you and do the things that you work so hard to have, right? So I'm going to take a quick break on that note. Hopefully I've got those wheels turning and got you thinking a little bit today. And don't go anywhere because there's a lot more to come. Hey, hey guys. So if you or anybody that you know is just looking for a little bit of coaching around grief or any grief struggles, there's so many I could go on and on and on list. Um, 
I'm telling you that my new Facebook group is fire. I'm loving it. I love giving away stuff. There's so much to be gained in there just from the support of others around you. But um, there's others that are jumping into programs and there's so much excitement and good stuff coming out of there that I don't want you to miss. So if anybody wants to join in on that and needs an invitation, there's gonna be a link in the description. And I just want to let you know that if you want to share that with someone else, feel free to do so. But um, this group is really just picking up and it's just at the beginning and there's so much great stuff to come. So make sure that you check that out and hopefully I'll see you on the inside. All right, thanks guys and back to the show. When I was a little girl, my Nana was my favorite person in the world. She was just sort of the light of our family. She was hilarious. Um, this little French lady with so much spunk and energy and kindness and, you know, always had some Tic Tacs in her pocket and a smile on her face. <laughs> she was always trying to smuggle us $5 when my grandfather wasn't looking. <laughs> and then the second you would go to argue the point, she would be like, shh, you're going to get me in trouble with your grandfather. You can't say anything else. So that we couldn't even argue or try to give it back. <laughs> and I just adored her. Well, the reason I bring this up is because I'll never forget this one experience that still plagues my mind to this day. My brother and I used to go for walks with my grandmother up to the top of the hill, and often she would walk with my aunt, and I think this day she was actually walking with one of my aunts, and um, we were on our bikes, and this time my cousin decided to come along with us. We all lived close to each other where we grew up, so um, this cousin was probably a good four four years older maybe than both my brother and I um and I remember like you know the cooler older cousin you want to impress or whatever but um we rode our bikes to the top of the hill we got far ahead of my aunt and my grandmother and my cousin said it'd be funny if we ditched our bikes off the side of the road and hid in the woods so then we could go back down the hill and they would never have found us. You know what I'm saying? Like we went, like they wouldn't know like how we just disappeared. And like, like it just, it sounded apparently like a really funny trick or whatever, a funny joke and um, be fun to try to pull off, I guess. I don't know. I just, rem I don't even remember the details of it. I only remember that when I got home, we beat them home, obviously. And then when my aunt, my grandmother got back, my grandmother looked so frightened. And I'll never forget that look that she had. She was shaking. She told my mom, you know, that she was so afraid she had lost us or someone had taken us. And, you know, as a kid, those things don't occur to you. But on some level, my brother and I knew better. We knew that that probably wasn't a good idea. And yet we still let the influence of others get us to the point of making a choice that I still to this day in my 40s regret. You know, it's the only time I've ever really seen her upset with us. And, you know, the reason that this whole story came to me today is because when you think about the things that we do every day and where the influences come from, um, it's very easy, easy to be swayed by people in your environment being a certain way. And when I used to work for um, the company that I worked for last before staying home with my kids, 
I remember there was often these waves of like people just being really like in a funk one day and everybody complaining and everybody saying how, um, you know, whatever it was, they would, you know, hop on the bandwagon. It was like one person had a complaint and then all of a sudden everybody else would start, you know, chiming in and then it would just grow and become a whole thing. And that's an interesting thing that happens too. Um, when people complain and others join in. And similarly with this whole story with my grandmother, you know, that little influence, there's just that little part of us that I think always is like striving to be cool, to be accepted, to be having something to contribute to a conversation, um, somehow to be able to relate to other people, we will do and say things that are out of our own character. And I wanted to just have this be a little bit of a cautionary tale of just, you know, I had more love for my grandmother than most anybody else in the entire world. And yet I let her down that day because I wanted to do what felt acceptable and kind of fun and cool and whatever. I didn't want to rock the boat or say no, but on some level I knew all along it was a bad choice. And at work, I have not a doubt that I was guilty on several occasions of when the conversations would go there, jumping on and having my own complaints to add to a list. I mean, is it helping anything? Is it improving the environment that I'm in? You know, is it making a better experience? No, not for me and not for anybody else. You know, the whole world needs people who are like guiding lights, who even when the whole room is all in a tizzy about something, can walk in with their energy and just shift everything towards the light, towards the positivity. And so that's my challenge for you, is to try to find a way to be the one to bring the light. So in those moments when everybody's kind of, you know, getting down on somebody or, um, you know, complaining about the current way that things are done or making a plan to do something that's not going to be 100% kind to somebody else or whatever it is, to be the voice of reason, you know, I mean, it's one thing to just make the choice for yourself and be like, well, I'm not going to engage in that. Put your head down in your book and you know, get some work done while they're all complaining or an even tougher decision to make and more impactful, right? Because it's not just about your own experience in this life. It's about how can you impact the world around you? So in that same breath, can you take it the step further, not just passively sitting by and not contributing, but going a step further and not only not contributing, but contributing towards the answer, the solution, the light. I've been doing this lately in a couple of Facebook groups that I'm a part of. And every time I start to hear some complaining or whatever, I try to bring in either like an update on something really good that I had to share to kind of shift the conversation um, or within a smaller conversation, just bringing in a little optimism or encouragement or even just a fun emoji or whatever. And it's pretty impressive to watch how quickly that can spread. I mean, you all of a sudden will see other people doing the same. Similarly, I think, 
to how we all like to follow along when people are a little woe is me, I think even more enticing is when everybody's on a really positive trip. <laughs> Everybody wants to come along, you know? So that is a very cool way to see it in action and know that you were the spark that lit the flame, right? That feels good on your soul. When you know that you just had an impact over a big group of people, just by staying out of the mud and then bringing people with you, you know, it's huge. It's, I mean, it's kind of what motivates me with this podcast, but also, you know, I won't lie. I still mad at cancer. I'm still mad at, you know, this whole loss process and I'm, I'm working on helping myself and helping others. I think there's beauty if you can find something that does both for sure. But, um, yeah, the the easy sliding path into complaints and just unhappiness, it's not going to get you anywhere. And if you're already starting from a kind of place of low and that's why you're already attracted to that kind of conversation that day, it's really just going to drag you down. I think of quicksand, you know, it's like suddenly you are just unable to pull yourself out once you get in there. And, you know, if we're going to be real honest about it. It doesn't reflect well on you. You know, I mean, eventually any good boss or any good, um, you know, any, anyone that would see this, it's going to become addressed. And I mean, do you want to be like, let's take it back to when I was that little kid. Unfortunately, I had to be there for that conversation where my grandmother then said to my mom what happened. And she called us out and made us apologize to my grandmother. And they explained to us with tears and eyes how scary that is and why, I would not want anybody to have to be a part of that conversation. You know what I mean? So like, man, thinking back, if only, if, if even one of us had just said like, this might not be a great idea because they're going to think someone like took us knowing them, they're going to think we were kidnapped. I mean, my mom, mom, I know you're listening to this, but I love you. But I can't even tell you, my best friend and I used to joke around all the time about how often she used to say, you girls are going to end up dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> it's like our saying, you know, and like as kids, we just laughed about it. But, you know, the reality as you become an adult is there really are risks and there really are threats in this world. And the last thing we need to do is like even put that out there to to get their brains in a a state of worry over nothing to the worst case scenario, right? I mean, oh, the freedom of a childish mind that doesn't even go there. But, you know, in a hurry that day, I lost all of my like childhood innocence over like a trick like that. And, um, you know, it changed me. It really did. I mean, obviously I'm in my forties and I still recall it. And I'm sure we all have to have moments like that because that's what makes us realize that, you know, these things aren't funny and that it's not good. But I mean, did you be really learn our childhood lessons or have we carried it with us into adulthood? I mean, certainly in that office space, I was guilty of very childish acts of still complaining and whining and whatever about the way whatever was run. And all right, great. If you really think you can do so much better, maybe you present an option to your boss quietly, not complaining with your coworkers, but write up what you're witnessing and the solution you think might work. For all you know, that could lead to a promotion. Here's somebody who's forward thinking and is not just, you know, sitting in the 
uh, break room with everybody commiserating together, but is actually looking to try to promote a positive change within our organization. Maybe this is somebody that we should, you know, promote up. There's somebody who's looking out for us and doing it in a manner that, you know, just makes us better. And that's the kind of person that I think we all want to be. So, you know, just a little self-reflection. I'm always big on putting that mirror up and making you guys really take those deep, hard looks at yourself. And if you're doing the things that you really need to do, it's easy to sit around and complain about how Johnny got the raise and you didn't, but have you earned it? (laughs) Or have you been guilty of, you know, from time to time, a a complaint or two. Even like in the moment of not getting a raise, do you sit around and complain with your coworkers and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this person got it. I've been here for this long and I've done this and this and I stay this late and I, you know, all of that. Is that helping? <laughs> it's not. And I this makes me actually think a little bit about, was it Prep and Landing, I think, or Prep and Landing 2, a Disney um, cartoon where the little elf is like so upset because he thought he was going to be the head of like one of the departments or whatever. But the whole reason he wasn't promoted was because he was about to be promoted for the better promotion um, over, like, I think, the good list versus the naughty list. And he would have loved that even more. But yet, you know what I mean? Like, it's real easy to just be like, oh, I can't believe. Can you believe that so-and-so? And then, boom, you might have just taken yourself right off the list for something even better. Isn't that crazy? Ever thought of that? Like, maybe they were about to create a position you didn't even know existed or was going to exist. And you just erased your name from the title. Like, that's, ugh. I don't want that for you, but I know that that stuff happens. So be careful with what, you know, your words are. Be careful with how you conduct yourself. And, you know, I mean, it does all matter. And at the end of the day, how we rise up is what we're talking about today. And, I mean, if you're in that simulation, if you're thinking about it as if all eyes are on you. So let's think about it like that. Every day, just think that like you are literally dropped in the middle of an arena. This whole thing around you is just a fictitious thing. And it's all to see how you deal with complex situations, you know, and a bunch of garbage falling on your lap. And maybe all this garbage that's happened to you lately was literally just to see how you reacted. Did you turn your back on higher power? Did you blame them for everything bad that just went wrong? Did you decide that you know, the world owes you something now? Did you um, turn around and make something better out of it? You know, did you make your lemons in the lemonade? Did you really go out searching for how you could help other people in this life? Or did you complain about how other people are treating you? Like that all the time, just keep going back to it every single day. And I think if we thought about it that way and we truly you know, I mean, initially it would feel really weird because I actually did do this practice for like a full day once of thinking like, okay, I'm just being watched. Like, how am I going to act? And it was very, very strange because for a while it truly felt like, oh my gosh, like, all right, you guys are funny. You keep throwing all this garbage at me. Like I was almost like laughing it off a bit because I was like pretending almost like a video game or something. Like somebody's dropping some new thing in my path. Like, ha ha ha. Obviously I can handle this. Not a big deal. And in a normal day, 
is that how I face it when it comes at me? <laughs> I don't think it is. I think something else happens and I'm like, really? <laughs> Seriously? Again? More? Do you think I really need this? <laughs> you know, I get mad and frustrated. But it was like a jovial experience when I thought like, you know, of my husband, God, what all these people I've lost, like up above, watching me, smiling, laughing, dropping things like in my path to see what I do, how I handle it. And then uh, I also realized how ridiculous I am and act over some of the most minute things, you know? I mean, traffic is a perfect example for me. I must be somebody who has a little bit of road rage because I do talk about traffic a lot. But I just like, there's certain things that just, and now I can chuckle it off and roll my eyes and I'm like, really? But I just, before, I think I really would have been like, you know, just, I don't know, gripping the wheel, I think, because things make me so annoyed. Like I, I don't like people who know the rules and choose not to follow them, you know, because they think they're more important than the rules. And the problem is there's so many people on the road that when some people act selfishly and are only thinking about their own needs, I mean, there could be somebody with a much greater need or emergency on the road, right? So when you start to think about this as a game of sorts, um, you know, at the end, you, and it is in a sense, like at the end, if you do have faith and you do believe like at the end, we're all going to be judged, then it will be kind of like that, right? Then one day somebody's going to review your life in review. And what does it look like? Does it look like a series of complaints? Does it look like, you know, I mean, think of everything you do from someone else's point of view, even returning something recently, like, I had, you know, oh, I bought two packages of strawberries. And I mean, I don't even know, what are they, like six bucks a package, eight dollars a package? I don't even remember what I spent on it. But they were like all moldy on the inside. I kind of went back and forth on this one because on the one hand, I feel like, oh, I just got this home. You know, I brought it up last night. I got the groceries in the door. And then I was like, you know, to what point and purpose? Is it really worth it to return them, complain, make a thing? Like, meh, I don't know. And then ever think about the consequences of what you're doing, like returning even like strawberries and now you're, somebody else has to figure out what to do and to return. Was it their fault? Was it your fault? Was it, now they have to review your receipt. When did you buy it? How long was it in your fridge? Now, do they have to go back to the company, no longer work with this small business? Do they continue to do business with them? And it was just that you left it in your hot car for the F. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I know I'm being a little ridiculous, but every single decision we make has a ripple and trickle down effect. And thinking like before you make an action, thinking about all of those consequences and things, I just decided to well, first I decided I was going to make my lemons into lemonade in a sense. I was going to just slice up the strawberries, cut the moldy parts off, and then add some sugar. I don't know if you've ever done this before. And, uh, you know, it makes like the runny strawberry juice that you can put on like a strawberry shortcake or whatever. So I was literally going to make my lemons into lemonade in the sense I was making my strawberries into dessert. But um, I never got around to it. So they're just sitting moldy on my top shelf of my fridge right now. Haven't even thrown them away yet. But the point is, I did not bring them back, and I didn't complain to anybody about it or say a word to anyone about that it happened. I just did. It's minute. It's minor in the scheme of life. 
and I have so many other things on my plate that returning something is not even worth my time. And I'm not exasperated and exhausted and whatever about it. I'm not going to overextend myself one day to zip over to the grocery store. I'm just going to take it. It happened. And I feel like the more I've embraced that way of living, the less of that stuff is happening. This strawberry event was like the first thing in a while. And it could have been my own like lack of observation when buying it. And there was probably a moldy one right in the center all along that I didn't see. But you know, I mean, the more I've just embraced the light and the goodness and the not complaining, then the less I've had to complain about. So, you know, how do you rise up and how do you get there? And I mean, you act as if the world is watching, which they are. (laughs) You act as if your kids are watching, which they are. You act as if your neighbors are watching because they are. (laughs) And truthfully, if you just put the people that are the center of your world as the center of your world and treat them like the most important people that you see all day, you know, then you won't have regret in your final days over, you know, not being good enough to the people that you love the most. That's worth its weight in gold. So yeah, that's what I would say. Um, That's the one thing. I truly don't have any regrets in that manner. My husband and I did enjoy one another all the time. And when I say all the time, obnoxiously so, and yes, I know there's a few of you listeners that knew us and certainly know that this is no lie. We were obnoxious. We loved each other. We did everything together. And yeah, I don't regret a minute of it. It was all good. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the only time we had together, we were spent just, you know, complaining about our days or, you know, complaining about each other or anything else. We just truly enjoyed life and enjoyed our life together and we let it be known and we didn't abuse the gift that was the time we had together. We just, we made the most of it. So if you still have your closest loves with you on this earth, just do that. Embrace them, have some fun with them, make sure they know how much you love them and just, you know, treat them with a little kid gloves and gentle gentle communication, especially with children. I mean, there's so much, kids can learn so much through these little sponges and, and that is a really fun thing is to work with that moldable clay that's just ready to, you know, learn the way to be. And they're also learning what their worth is. And, you know, when you speak in really harsh ways, uh, or are just quick to frustrate, it's like telling them that, you know, they're frustrating and they are all of these things and that's not what you mean. So, you know, don't put it out there on them and then maybe the next generation won't have have so much of this, you know, the childhood stuff carrying forward. Thanks for being with me today on this episode, guys. And just trying to remind you to be the beacon of light instead of just the sounding board of all that is wrong with the world. <laughs> if we had more of those little lighthouses at the center of everything, I think that... Um, the world would just be a better place. So here's to just at least making your life a little bit better, a little bit easier, you know, and loving the people that you love a little more. Uh, Yeah, so be careful with your words and hopefully I will see you on the next episode. Thanks again for joining, guys.